Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to week three of our sermon series on forgiveness. Uh, it's pretty amazing to see so many of you here today. Two weeks ago when we kicked off the series, it was Super Bowl Sunday. And most of you were not here. And uh, last week, God dropped like 80 inches of snow on us. And definitely most of you are not here. So thanks for joining us. Uh, I'd love for you to catch up on this series. So if you haven't heard weeks one and two, uh, you can jump on uh, iTunes. You can check out our podcast. You can go to our website. So much stuff we've been covering that's so important for all of us about forgiveness. Uh, Just in case you're jumping in for the first time, let me take two minutes and recap what we've covered so far. Here's the gist of it. God wants you to forgive them. Profound, isn't it? it? Um, I might not know you and what you've been through and who's hurt you. And I might not know them or him or her, what they said, what they did, what they failed to do, but I I can say categorically in the Bible that God wants you to forgive. Uh, We've been trying to visualize forgiveness with these stones up here. That when someone doesn't love us well, whether it's our our parents growing up or our significant other or our ex, the kids at our school, the people at our church, whoever, you know, sometimes they, they throw these stones at us that are small and more annoying than hurtful. But sometimes really severe sins happen to us and they cut us and scar us and there are certain sins that really wound us and crush us deeply. But whatever sin has happened to you in your past, Jesus says, forgive. After that stone hits you, it falls at your feet and you could go down and pick it up and throw it back in vengeance. But don't do that, God says. You could do the the Christian thing and just hold on to that memory and bitterness. But don't do that, Jesus said. Instead, make not the one-time choice, but the day after day after day choice, even if you can remember the sin and you can't forget it, to let the stone alone. I know that's what God wants all of you to do. And here's why he wants you to do it. Because he started it. Because despite all the things that you've done wrong in your life, whether those sins seem small and understandable or they still burden your conscience here today, despite not the one or two, but the millions, billions of times we have sinned against God, here's what he does. He forgives. He doesn't punish you and get back at you. He doesn't give you a hard life just to make you hurt like you hurt him. Nor does he hold on to those memories of your sin in the past in bitterness and anger and turn away from you. Instead, God, with this crazy kind of love, he lets every stone alone and he forgives. Or to summarize everything I just said in a famous prayer that Jesus once taught us to pray, our Father in heaven, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. But today there's a question we need to cover that we haven't addressed just yet. And the question is, now what? (laughs) Okay, God, well, all these people have sinned against me. All these stones are at my feet. I'm going to try today to not touch them, to not be bitter. But what do you want me to do? Do I just stand here and wait for time to heal these wounds? Do I just go back to those people, my, my ex, my parents, and tr- 
like try to have the same relationship we, we did before? Do I move on with my life and find new friends and a new person to date and new people to surround myself with? And, you know, I'm not going to get back at them, but I'm not going back to them. What does God want Christians to do? And what does forgiveness look like when you live it out in your day-to-day life? I bet many of you have had to wrestle with those emotional questions. Like you had that close friend, uh, maybe a friend from church or childhood that you shared everything with. Like you had sleepovers, you talked about the boys that you liked, uh, maybe you joined a life group and for the first time in your church experience, you opened up about everything you're struggling with until that person threw a stone. And they gave into the temptation of gossip and they shared your story and it hurts, but you know, you're trying to forgive, but what do you do? When they text and they want to hang out, are, are you supposed to? And if you see them at church and you're not really excited about opening up like you used to, is that, is that another form of bitterness? What do you do? Or you're dating a guy and you're starting to figure out that he has some significant issues with anger when things don't go his way at work, when he can't control a situation, he, he loses it. He snaps. And he always feels so sorry the morning afterwards. He apologizes, sometimes even with tears. But what do you do? If you're not sure if you should stick with him, do you give him an ultimatum? Are ultimatums Christian? Do you set boundaries and say, I'm, I'm not coming back to this relationship if you keep doing that? I mean, you, you probably wouldn't want God to treat you that way, right? And unless you fix all these things, I'm not going to stick with you. So what's a Christian supposed to do? And what if you have a, a loved one who's an alcoholic? You know, and they're in trouble with their job again and they can't pay rent again and they're asking for help again. What do you do? We don't want to punish them for their addiction and for their struggle, but you know, is it the Christ-like thing to do to keep giving and giving and giving, just like God keeps giving and giving to you? What if, what if you have boundaries? What if there's an intervention? Like, what, what, what does forgiveness look like? It happens in marriage. There's infidelity or you find pornography on her device and, and you don't feel close to that person anymore. Are you supposed to just go back? Are you supposed to kiss them again, date them again, make love to them again? If, if you feel distant, what does God want you to do? Keep serving, respecting like you used to? It can happen at church when a pastor hurts you. It can happen at school when the system lets you down. We, we get sinned against in a thousand different ways. So what does it look like in practice to forgive? Well, today the Apostle Paul is going to answer that question. And here's what I can tell you about the Apostle Paul's answer. It's nuanced, it's surprising, and it's pretty offensive. It is far from black and white and simple. It takes wisdom and insight. It's it's not a message I can preach in one simple sentence and just fill in the blank. Now, the Apostle Paul, who endured so many sins in his life, he knew exactly how to handle it. 
And today in Romans chapter 12, Paul is going to guide you as you think about life the day after you're sinned against. So bring all of your situations, all of your stories, and listen to Paul's words in Romans chapter 12. He says, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. And be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it's written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will keep burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And I love this passage. I love it because Paul is really honest. Uh, He doesn't say that, you know, people might kind of stumble and mess up and fall short of love. No, he says things like people will persecute you and they will curse you. He uses the word evil multiple times. People will not always act like your friends and your family, but your enemies. So Paul knows it's going to be hard. And yet, what does he tell us to do? Not just forgive. (laughs) Not just let that stone alone. No, Paul says something challenging, at the very least, and offensive, if we're being honest. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write down Paul's big command that God's goal is for you and me to live at peace with everybody. And that last word is the hard one, right? Um, living at peace with some people, I can handle that. Maybe most people, okay, I'll try. No, God's goal for you is to live at peace with everyone. Now, how do you do that? Paul's really practical and he brings up two things that you can do with that person who sinned against you. Uh, Here's the first one. It's kind of offensive. And then I'll give you the second one, which is super offensive. Are you glad you came to church today? (laughs) All right. Uh, Here's the first thing that Paul said. Don't be proud. That's so interesting. He says it two or three times in the midst of, you know, serve and love those who sin against you. He said, don't be proud. Then he said, be willing to associate with people of low position, probably referring to the people who sinned against you. And then he says again, and don't be conceited. Because when these stones hit you, what happens is that pride can puff up and spread like a purple bruise. It's just instinct, human nature, when someone isn't good to us, that we so, so, so quickly forget about our own weaknesses and sins. Now, there's a couple situations in life where sin is just one-sided. You know, a child gets abused, no fault involved. But for most of the things that happen to us, most of the drama that we go through in life, there's probably a little sliver 
or maybe a big sliver of the pie of sin that belongs to us. And, and Paul says, be very careful when you think about those relationships. Yeah, you think about the things she said in the heat of the argument. You could show me the, the text or the email. But Paul says, and don't forget about the things that you said or the things you didn't say. Yeah, we could say that, that person at my job, they're, they're so critical and, and this and that. Okay. But how have you been treating them? Loving them, encouraging them, bringing joy to them. Yeah, in marriage, she might have, have thrown this stone and dropped a bomb in your relationship, but are there a thousand of these stones that you threw first? No. Paul says, don't be proud. It's so natural once you're sinned against to think that we're not equal sinners, but they're the really bad one and we're the innocent victim. But Paul knows that's sabotage for restoring relationships. I got to tell you, I, I see this all the time when this kind of stuff happens in marriage. As I'm counseling couples who've been through an addiction or infidelity, what, what so often happens is this. And this person is so hurt. And this person feels so unworthy of being served by this person that couples get stuck. And until they both see themselves as sinners in the eyes of God, in, until they both remember that they are still called to serve and love each other well, until they have the humility to be here, they get stuck and things don't get better. This person becomes the judge and this one the convict. And judges and convicts don't hold hands and walk out of the courtroom. So Paul says, be, be humble. It's kind of like physical therapy. How many of you have been to PT before? Yeah, a whole bunch of you. You know, you, you have a surgery, you just got cut open, you're really hurting, and soon after they send you to PT, and what does the physical therapist want you to do? Hurt, yes, is the right answer. They make you, it's like, I'm paying you for this? My goodness, why would you do that? Yeah, why would you do that? And the answer is, is because if you don't do something painful right after that wound happens, you get stuck. And that's what Paul is saying to you. He, he says, be humble. And here's the second thing. He says, do something. Do something good to the person that hurts you. I mean, he says it, what, four, six, seven times? He says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and don't curse. If they're rejoicing, you rejoice. If they're suffering, you suffer with them. If your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to eat. Those people who did you evil, overcome that evil, Paul says, with good. God kind of knows what happens if we don't do good with these empty hands. You know, sometimes we Christians get hit, we get sinned against, we say, okay, I'm, I'm not going to get revenge. I'm not going to get bitter. I'm going to forgive. I'm going to let the stone alone. But if you don't do something with this, almost instinctively, you reach for this. And so Paul says, as fast as you can, it's going to be so hard. Your hands might tremble while you do it, but reach out and serve. Take these hands and pray. 
lift these hands and bless. Before you want to, before you feel it, God is like the physical therapist and he wants you to do what seems so hard and unfair and offensive after you've been wounded to serve people in love. You know, there's a guy from our church who uh, did that this past week. Uh, he sent me an email as he's been listening to this sermon series and he said I could share it with you today. Here's what he said. Pastor, last week I started to pray that God would reach my ex-wife and bring good to her. Since I've done that, my attitude towards her has changed. It's changed to the point where I'm no longer holding that stone, ready to throw it at her if needed. I've put the stone down. So pastor, here's the stones down, heads up, and moving forward in freedom. I love that word. Sometimes you never get free from the past until you love your enemy in the present. And I know it's hard, but the hard thing is the holy thing that can heal you. So uh, let me ask you today, what would that look like in the next 24 hours? I don't want some of you to go back to like abusive, dangerous situations, but what, what could you do? What Facebook message could you send? I'm really praying that God blesses you with love and affection in the year to come. What? They'd say. Now, I've been praying for you this week that God would bless your new business. I, I know we can't go back in the past, but I'm, I'm praying for God to be good to you in the future. Why would you say that? I don't know what step God is calling you to take, but I want you to do the thing that would offend the people who are on your side. To make them say, why? What? <laughs> After what he did? What, what, what are you doing? And you know what you get to tell them at that point? He, he started it. <laughs> Think of what Jesus did. After we sinned against God, Jesus didn't just say, all right, I'm out. Now, what did he do with his empty hands? He loved. Because he didn't just want you to be forgiven. He wanted your relationship with God to be fixed. I came across this passage in my Bible reading this past week. Colossians 1 says, God has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. <laughs> I love that. What I love about being a Christian is not just that I'm not going to go to hell, is that I have God. I've been reconciled to go perfect. I have a God who goes with me. And if you're a Christian, he goes with you. <laughs> and look what he thinks about you. You're holy in his sight, his perfect sight. Holy, without blemish, free from accusation. God's not keeping those stones in his back pocket, waiting for you to mess up again. No, because Jesus used his hands to serve and pray and love and die for you, you get to go with God. So what would it look like this week if you did the same thing? Let me call you tonight directly to some of the hardest work you'll ever do. Not just to love your friends, but to love your enemies. But there's something else I love about this passage. 
I wonder when you filled in that blank, God's big goal today, you realized that I didn't write down the whole thing. Now, let me show you the rest of Romans 12, verse 18, what Paul actually said. He didn't just say live at peace with everyone. He said, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. (laughs) I love how honest that is, right? Like, Sometimes we act in the church like, if you just do these three steps, everything's going to be great. <laughs> and Paul says, yes, do, do everything you can. Work as hard as you can. Keep praying. Keep blessing. Keep being humble. Don't be proud. But here's the deal. Sometimes living at peace with someone, it, it's not always possible. Because it doesn't just depend on you. You know, forgiveness is a unilateral decision. Whether someone is changing, whether they're sorry, whether they're remorseful, you can make the choice today to let that stone alone. In fact, loving someone is a unilateral decision. You can keep praying, keep blessing, but Paul knows that true reconciliation, restoring that friendship or relationship doesn't just depend on you, which means you have to ask a question that not many Christians ask, what about them? How do they feel about the stone? Are they owning how bad this was? Are they sorry for their sin? Or here's a huge biblical question. What kind of sorry are they? You know, some people are sorry for themselves because their sin messed up their life, but that's purely selfish. Biblical sorrow is when you're sorry that you rebelled against the command of God and hurt the people that he loves. So do you sense in that person who hurts you that kind of sorrow, a deep desire to change and follow in the footsteps of Jesus? You know, Jesus said, and no one gets this as their Christian tattoo, be as shrewd as a snake. (laughs) Be smart. Believers, use your brains, set boundaries, No one has called you to be a doormat. Jesus forgave his enemies, but he wasn't best friends with the Pharisees because they didn't want to change. The proverb says in the Old Testament that a companion of fools suffers harm and fools are people who never want to change and humble themselves under the authority of God. So if if someone hurts you, if they betrayed your trust and you see no change of character, then it doesn't depend on you. And keep your distance, God says or you're going to get hurt again. We, we forgive those who throw stones, but we don't put ourselves in their range if they look like they're going to throw a stone again. And I think that's why Paul admits, if it's possible. <laughs> in fact, there's another layer of interpretation I see here. Sometimes even if the person is deeply sorry, it's just not possible to restore what we had. Some sins hit us so deeply and wound us so profoundly, it changes the relationship in ways that we just can't go back. I'm a distance runner. You know, a good day if I push myself, I can crack out a you know, six or seven minute mile. If I got hit by a truck today and went through all the physical therapy, I might not be able to run that fast afterwards. Things would change. And sometimes sin does that too. You know, think of like friendship. Friendship requires trust. 
You can't be deep friends with someone if you fake it and don't tell them the truth. But trust is like a tree. You, you can't just make yourself have it. Uh, one pastor says trust requires a track record. So if someone betrays you, if they share your secret and chop down that tree, you can't just make yourself trust them again. That's not always possible. Or think about the example that Jesus gave in, in Matthew chapter 5. Stunning. I wonder if you've ever caught this. Um, in my Bible, in Matthew 5 verse 24, Jesus says that you should want so badly to reconcile with people who've hurt you that if you're sitting and listening to the sermon right now and, and someone is coming to your mind, do you know what Jesus wants you to do? Leave. He said that. If you're offering your gift at the altar at church and they remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go be reconciled to them and then come and offer your gift. So Jesus cares so much about you living at peace with people. If you walked out in the middle of my sermon, it would make him happy. How about that? But do you know what he said right here? One column later. He was saying that sometimes you can't. He's talking about marriage and divorce. And he said that there's a, a certain sin in marriage that can hurt and wound someone so badly that the marriage doesn't always make it. And it's not because we're bitter. It's not because we're paying each other back. It's sometimes things happen and we can't go back to the way things were. And so Paul's teaching is so honest, isn't it? He says, we do what we can. We love, we serve, we humble ourselves. We rid our hearts of the roots of all bitterness. And we'll try to live at peace with everyone, but sometimes it's not possible. And sometimes it doesn't depend on you. But today, brothers and sisters, I hope you try as hard as you can. Because the result could be offensively beautiful. A couple years ago, I was doing a wedding for our church. And after the ceremony, the photographer was snapping pictures of the, the happy groom and bride. And during a break in the pictures, as they were laughing and sharing stories, I asked the photographer, so how do you know the couple? And she said, well, the bride is one of my best friends. And the groom is my ex-husband. And I said, <laughs> what? what? <laughs> She's like, yeah, our, our marriage didn't make it, but yeah, we stayed close. In fact, we go on vacation together. <laughs> and I said, oh, wait, what? <laughs> How is that even possible? And, and they told me the whole story that because of the sin in their past, it, it didn't seem possible to stay married. And yet there was no bitterness and there was so much forgiveness and it was so beautiful to see. Not every story ends up that beautiful, but God wants us to try as hard as we can. So if you're taking notes, uh, let me recap what we've covered so far. Let me teach you how to be smart with these stones. Number one, someone sins against you. Number two, immediately before you do anything, you look up to God. You remember how much, how frequently, how he forgives you. 
Number three, you forgive. You make the choice to let the stone alone. No bitterness, no payback. Number four, Paul taught us today, you love. You do whatever you can. You bless, you, you pray, you serve, you overcome evil with good. And then as much as it depends on you, if at all possible, y'all involved, reconcile. A glimpse of the beauty and the glory of God. So friends, let me ask you one more time. Uh, what are you going to do today? Um, relationships don't get better just by sitting and waiting. Time doesn't heal all wounds in a healthy way, only if they've been disinfected. So what are you going to do after I say amen? God would love for your story to be the next story of his grace. God would love your action to be a confusing example of the mercy that Jesus shows to us. And as you do as much as you can this week, uh, I want you to go with this rock-solid foundation that whatever happens with you and him, you and her, things are perfect with you and God. <laughs> I love this about Christianity. I, as much as I, I, I try and I want to live at peace with people, it, it doesn't always work out. Sometimes I fail. Sometimes they fail. But what I love about being a Christian is that at the end of every day, things never fail with Jesus. Things are never strained with my Savior. Things are never distant with your deliverer. Things are always good with God. So do your best. Love your enemies. And whatever happens with that, know that this, by the blood of Christ, is perfect. Let's pray. Uh, Jesus, thank you so much for unfailing love. Uh, we are forgiven. We don't always feel that way and the devil keeps accusing us, but you said today that we are free from accusation. So thank you for being so clear that we are holy in your sight by your blood. God, I know personally I haven't been through that much yet in life. Um, I haven't been betrayed by a spouse or abused by my parents, but I, I know so many people in this space have. So many more people live streaming, li listening to this podcast, they have been too. So God, you need to help. Uh, human strength is not enough. We need supernatural power. And through your Holy Spirit, we have it. God, for some of us, like the, the man from our church, help us to let go of that sin for the first time to truly love and serve and leave the justice to you. If there's anything left to be repaid, you'll do it, God. Instead, give us the power and strength to imitate Jesus and to love people when it's the hardest and it's the holiest choice of all. Help us to encourage each other, God. There are people in this world who think they're our friends and they think they're being empathetic when they throw stones back at those who have hurt us. Help us to see how foolish that is and that all that venting, and rage will never heal our hearts. Instead, surround us with people who know about unfailing love, love given to the worst enemies and the biggest sinners, just like you showed to us. And help us to spur each other on towards love and good deeds towards those people too. God, we want our church, our families, our workplaces, our nation to know the joy that comes from living in peace and unity. So help us this week. 
And Jesus, at the end of every day, no matter how things go, help us to close our eyes and see your smiling face, which is the perfect gift that you give. We thank you, Father, for hearing this prayer because you haven't turned away your face or turned your back on us. You're smiling upon us by the blood of Jesus. So it's in his name that we pray with confidence. Amen.